Hello, hello. Good morning, Forefront family. Good morning, resident creators. Welcome to our open studio number eight. This means this is our very last open studio of the very first Web3 Creator Residency. Welcoming Kabuki, Demo, and Nico of Cohort 2. I cannot believe these eight weeks have passed so quickly. I think it was the end of April that we put out um, the open call uh, for the creators. And then we went through, I believe it was a one or maybe even a two week long process of a meet and greets where each of our 16 finalists um, did their own little 20 minute jam session with the community, pitching their vision, uh, pitching their ideas of what they wanted to bring to the residency. Uh, and this resulted in six amazing resident creators, three of whom are here with us right now, uh, coming forward for this uh, wild experiment in um, creative communal co-creation, I would say. Um, I would like to spend quite a bit of time today, friends, maybe reminiscing. Um, what was What's it like as I kind of narrate to y'all how this began uh, in late April, the open call that was sent out, the meet and greets, uh, and you went through this entire process. Uh, looking back uh, on how you began and, and where you are now, wh what are some of the things that you feel have changed um, perhaps changed drastically, significantly from what your original expectation, what your original plans were, and what are some of the things that you feel have actually turned out the way that you anticipated? Maybe I go first. So um, I would say I, you know, I went into the whole project with a, a kind of game plan, but I also tend to not kind of be very rigid so when the situation changes I adapt this is very natural this is kind of being part of a musician and being able to improvise and kind of you know tune into the vibration and then respond to that so in that sense you know I wouldn't say that I kind of came in you know thinking like it has to be like this I, th I was uh, kind of expecting maybe more of a kind of workshop type situation where there were kind of like uh, you know where I would be working with people who are in a similar situation that I am. So it would be less just about myself, but more about the, the the communal process. But how it turned out, it was, you know, that it was more kind of like a, a singular experience. So I just you know, flipped that around and made sure that I made the process very transparent and allow everybody to kind of take part in that and take some even abstract inspiration from that. So that was kind of like how I felt the past three weeks. And yeah, going down to the final round, obviously it's um, it's always, you know, every project that you complete, there's something you learn from it. And I always like these, um, these moments where something doesn't uh, kind of work out the way you kind of planned it, especially if you are going into a project without, you know, a, a kind of set uh, um, a p kind of uh, per parameter, so to speak, that you want to uh, kind of explore. But if you're very open, and I was very open, and I just said, okay, I have a very vague idea that I want to kind of include aspects of the physical world in my pr process, and I didn't really know how this was going to turn out. So I just love that you, you come in with a plan and you realize it's not how you anticipated, and then 
I think the real journey starts. That's when it gets really interesting. And I found it quite interesting. You know, when I when I when I wrote down that phrase to invite the natural world into the process, I was thinking more about this kind of chaotic situations that I like to uh, create, where I have these pendulum swing or you know rotations, and there's no way of knowing how they would interact. But now looking at kind of like the 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 situation where I'm right now, I actually realize that the natural world that I kind of invited in the process is more about seeing these patterns in the in 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 nature you know so like this um these uh interferences that are now kind of like the main topic or the the main kind of theme of my nft actually resemble very much you know these swarms of fish schools of fishes or these flocks of of birds and nature so i found that quite interesting you know that when you take a different angle then you realize maybe what it was that you really meant what you said in the first place. So this is where I'm right now. I love it. Thank you, Kabuki. How about you, Demo? Um, well, it was a like a very interesting uh, process. Like at the even at the start when I first sent the video for my application, like I, I think it it was the first time, or it is the first time that I'm like, uh, like publicly presenting a project and like showing my face to a camera and speaking in English, which is something that I've never done. And it's been like really challenging and also uh, good for me. Like I'd learned a lot of a lot of things and it made me like reconnect, like after doing a whole game plan, which is kind of uh, like I made a game plan of the like ideal idea for me to to develop through the residency. I think after doing it, uh and and developing it like i reconnected with some things that i love and i i made myself reconnect with them after following my game plan so so yeah it's been really fruitful um and as uh kabuki was saying maybe i it ended up being more personal than I that than what I was expecting, like the whole experience, and and it's also good. Like it felt really personal, especially like the last two sessions. Uh, I spoke. I mainly like spoke words about me and my life and how these whole things might transcribe to to the to what I'm trying to talk about and how nature works. And so yeah, it's been like. It got like really deep for me, uh, which is really fruitful and also challenging, because I'm not used to show my myself in this way. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, that's mainly like uh, really still like open to to what's coming, you know, like these sessions from this week and every session that that happened, I might have like an idea of what's going to happen or how I might uh, uh, develop it, but it always sur surprises me how how it ends up uh, developing and yeah, it's uh, it's been really, really good and fruitful. Beautiful. Thank you, Demo. Uh, Kabuki and Demo, if you had to do the residency again, is there anything that you would change? Uh, and and I, I feel like maybe this seems like it might be cheating to y'all, but I, I don't want you to take it in that sense. <laughs> Not something that I that I would change, maybe like certainly, but uh, 
maybe like do it from a different perspective where we might as a cohort uh, share more like the experience of the residency and some like activities shared uh, uh, might be uh, yeah fruitful in some different ways to what it has been but uh, not as it happened I, I honestly wouldn't change anything because I feel it's everything it's how it has to be somehow and but yeah yes this this is why i knew i knew you would say something like that my friend that's why i i tried to caveat with don't don't take this as if we're trying to cheat i i know things usually they always work out the way that they are to uh, meant to work out but i appreciate what you just said more perhaps if you had to do it again you would love to lean, lean more into the cohort what, what are the resident creators gathering more together, sharing that experience, perhaps creating together? Uh, what about you, my friend Kabuki? Anything that you would change? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think in terms of like how I came into the project and how things developed and how they're hopefully going to wrap up this week, I'm I'm pretty happy. So there's nothing where I would have said like I would have only changed this and the outcome would have been that. So I feel like that was a very organic process. But also a second one, Dem what Demon said, I mean, we have this kind of thing going on in the background, which we can't speak at this point, I believe, but seeing, you know, to work together or like to put co-creation at the, at the center of the, of the um, project could definitely put a different spin on things and could also maybe um, yeah make the creative process even more transparent because everybody is forced to come out of their comfort zone and to find these you know areas where you can interact and these ideas can uh, you know change from one form to another so definitely that would be a very interesting perspective but I think uh, you know even looking at what we managed to cram into those four weeks even that was part of the experience and um, yeah I'm, I'm you know, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of doing these post-mortems and looking back like what went well, what didn't went well. But in this case, I think since it was such a open uh, kind of, um, such an open um, canvas or like such a, you know, such a wide canvas to fill with ideas, you know, I think it was good that there were some points to connect, but overall it was very uh you know it, it provided a lot of uh, of this openness that you need to react to the moment so i'm i'm pretty happy with how things are going and went amazing so glad to hear that uh but so friends the reason why i'm, I'm get kind of pursuing this line of questioning one of one of the the major sort of intentions behind the web3 creator residency was to really uh support creators and artists to really explore and unfold their work in this emergent world you know what is emergent about this world the the ethos there i, I heard someone say recently that if you gather a hundred people in the room who are working in web3 web3 will mean a hundred different things to these people um and i don't think that that's an exaggeration but i also think that's one of its one of its strengths so the the ethos the tooling um, the potential in terms of uh, tokens and NFTs, um, what consumer blockchain will mean for the space, all of these things are kind of emergent and happening uh, on the ground. And Nico, I think I hear you typing frantically. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I forgot to mute. I think I got it working. I just need to exit and reselect the input. 
Okay, excellent. Turning you down a little bit. Okay, I see Nate. Are so my friend? No, no, no. This is this is a part of building in public, and uh, Kabuki excels at this. Many times we could not hear him when he came on. He just went with the, he just went with the, the punches. So Nico, just to remind you, my friend, we are asking you. Uh, looking back to the open call, you know, remembering you reading our post, you deciding to apply, going through the meet and greets, uh, looking back then and here you are now, what are the sort of things that surprised you? What are the sort of things that didn't go as you expected? If you had to change something, would you, what would that be? Um, so I'm definitely also not super used to creating in public and relating to demo and kabuki both on this i think it's like um one thing that like stressed me out the most is that like i always go super ambitious in beginning of the project i'm like oh yeah i have all this time i can create so many things and then in the end as you progress you're like okay like your time and energy is actually very limited <laughs> there's only a few there's only like eight hours max you can work on stuff every day and when I do that, and then I keep making the same mistake, but when I do that at home, when I'm creating by myself, nobody's seeing it, so it's okay. But creating in public, it's like you kind of claim that in front of everyone <laughs> before, before you get started. So it, it definitely adds the stress of like having the spectator like reviewing you. But I think a lot of times we're also like probably our own harshest credit where like, I'll be like, oh my God, I didn't get to make the goal, but people are like, People usually tell me, well, you still made something and then like the the energy that you spend and the, the stuff you did make is worth celebrating to a certain extent. So I think in the end, it's like, you know, always good to um, practice and learn. And next time, you know, when you set a goal to be more and more realistic. And, you know, I, I think that itself, it's a practice not let your emotion like overdrive you and just be really passionate in the moment and then forget about realistic estimation of your time and energy and amount of um, work that you are able to put into and also leave, leave room for mistake. Even if, even if you're creating in public, it's totally okay. The last two sessions when I was um, creating with Unity in public, there's like a lot of times that I forgot what the reference is called. And I felt so ashamed, be like, ah, this is like intro level mistake. But then I think I think a part of it, I think I think a part of what I learned in this in this residency is that, you know, like even if you even if you make mistakes, like showing the process of how you navigate yourself throughout these mistakes and how you learn from the mistakes in public, it could also be a really valuable thing for people to see because like we all have times where we like, you know, like the sound is not working and <laughs> your modeling software is not working and then there's stuff you don't understand, but showing people how you like navigate yourself out of that might be even more valuable than just like you already knowing everything like an encyclopedia. So I think that that's my takeaway. Yes, I love that. Yeah. But I just wanted to add something to what Nico said, because I thought it was quite, uh, quite uh, um, interesting. You know, it's an interesting thing we have to learn over and over again. And I actually wrote it today on, uh, on a post in the uh, Forefront Discord. It's we overestimate what we can get done in a day and we underestimate what we can get done in a year. So I think that's a human tendency. So we tend to you know, put everything on our plate and then our, you know, our eyes were bigger than our stomach. So that's, I think, a, a really good skill to manage. And also one, one thing I realize you know, the more I, or the older I get and the more I've done these projects is that I tend to get like a different type of energy towards the end of the project. You know, like towards the beginning, you kind of, 
move along and you you follow up on each result but towards the end you realize okay the resources are x and the the, the remaining kind of uh, area to fill is y and then i kind of i tend to produce this kind of higher quality of energy that is just more focused and it's very rare that i do like that i exhibit something and i'm not soldering while the first you know the, the audience starts to come in the room and i said no, this is not part of the experience it's just not done yet you know so i tend to really cram everything in these last 10 percent of the available project time so this is just one of the coping mechanisms that i found to somehow you know get around this this tendency to over you know overload the plate the, the daily plate so to speak thank you kabuki uh so to kind of circle back to the question that I had when Nico first came on with, uh, with her repaired mic. So the, the intention and the mission behind the W3CR was really to discover in this emergent space what creators need to thrive from the community aspect. There are things that are solely the individual responsibility of the creator and that they are, they are stewarding the amount, of, um, uh, the amount of sleep that they can get, the amount of like restfulness that they can bring to their project, the sort of ideation of their project, the roadmap, but then there are so many things in this ecology of creation. And this is last week, I, I think I tried to address this when I was inspired by what Nico's approach to nature and looking at things uh, in within their entire context and not trying to draw out and isolate a single thing. So we really do believe at Forefront with the Web3 Creator Residency um, that every creator is fruitful as a result of standing on the shoulders of so many other human beings, whether living or, or not living. Um, I want to pose the question to you again, again with this sort of postmortem, as Kabuki said, having gone through these four weeks. Um, what do you, what do you feel are the sort of essential elements of your creator ecology? And this can be like the the computer you can't live without. Like I think if I were to put myself in Demo's shoes, Demo has expressed that the computer and the mouse are actually incredibly native organic ways for him to create. He, he really loves and thrives the feeling of the mouse and, cre and sculpting with that in Blender. What, what are the tools that you can't live without? Do you need, and this is very personal idiosyncratic, do you actually need a community of people um, to give you feedback. What we tried to create here were workshops and sessions where the community would be present, would be giving input, would be challenging you with provocations. Why are you doing it this way? Do you actually need that? Do you need peers who are working in your particular medium to give you feedback, to challenge you? Um, what, what do you need? And it can be quite idiosyncratic as the essential elements of your creator ecology, this entire context or matrix that makes your work possible. And you, you know what? I'm going to throw another thing on there, and I'm going to just let y'all address this in the way that you want. If you could design a residency for yourself from the ground up with no constraints, what would it look like? Again, related to this idea of what do I need in my creator ecology? What do I need to support me so that I can do my best work? And again, no constraints. This can be flying you out to an island to stay for six months with a personal, I, I'm, I'm keen to know. This experiment is all about what do creators need. So, who's ready? <laughs> Nico, go for it, my friend. I can go first. I, I'm excited about the second question <laughs> to design a residency for myself. Um, 
I, I think I think the creating public uh, concept is interesting. I wouldn't. I've never really thought of this as a necessity because I'm just used to um, like kind of like walking in the dark and at some point be like boom. But I do feel like having spectators of your of your work adds a lot of um, like it kind of like adds the view viewport of the world into what you're creating and it. I think theoretically it can help you like do checking on like. You know, like give you just like unbiased feedback of what you're doing because when you're in like the zone, like sometimes you're like, oh my, let me let me just like branch off over here because it's fun, and then maybe you branch off too much, and then it's hard to realize that, or maybe that's a new branch that you decided to reroute. You know, but I think having like feedback is definitely helpful. Um, I think the necessity for me would be like um, having internet access and being able to Google and learn and look up things is essential and having the suffers that I need. And, um, that's pretty much it. And also like having the exterior, um, external environment to stimulate and inspire me. So like I probably, probably like going to different places and just like meeting different people, embracing different culture. I think all of those like draws inspiration. Otherwise, the, I think like your your art piece is kind of like what you eat and what you puke out, right? So like if you eat like monocolored stuff, <laughs> at some point you're just gonna puke out monocolored stuff. And the more like vibrant diet you have, the more like vibrant, colorful stuff you can output. So um, I think yeah, that that's my take. Well, I have to ask you this follow-on question. So um, ingesting and then puking out. What, what have been? What do you think have been more of the the sort of seminal? influential experiences that you've had you've just come off of like an epic road trip where you were visiting these communities but like looking back on your whole life your professional life what have some been the most uh influential formative experiences communities cultures that have influenced your work today um i think moving to new york was the first one going going to an art school in New York and like I grew up in China and in a kind of a very rigid um like education system and then like just completely getting out of that to New York it was like the first whole month I was just completely mind blown away by like the culture and like the dynamics so that's a like number one probably like biggest like spike of 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 these inspirations and another one is um probably getting into like programming and getting into like computer science in general and then realizing that like just the amount of in depth and complexity into this art form that composes a computer has just been like you know it's just like things that we take for granted like oh like I have my my computer I have my mouse but like the amount of like level of details inside this engineering are just so incredibly inspiring it made me realize just how how much we've come as a human race how much we have accomplished and yeah so these and then also like being on the road trip before coming to forefront uh, to the residency, just like, you know, meeting what you would call the hippies, hanging out with like the, the hippies and then the people that are completely away from the technology. It's also like mind blowing to see just how, how they live and how the, how compassionate they are towards themselves and their friends and nature and like just how much there's so much to learn for us from people that are, don't have the same kind of lifestyle as we do. And um, yeah, that, that's pretty much the top three. Amazing. Uh, one last follow-on question, if I may. Uh, so you, you talked about New York and then computer, computer science, computer programming. What, what has been the, um, the top most uh, influential uh, computer program software edifice that has been most mind-blowing to you and inspiring to you in your life? 
Um, like the software, it's hard to say. I would say processing is probably one of the first because that's where I got started. It, but it's it's just like a program where you use like um, code to generate art. And then that itself was pretty inspiring. And then after that, I've been just really, really into Unity and Blender and just mostly like be involved with this. Even though I know like, like, I, like part of me knows that to build actual like solid um, software building on Unity, it's like you're building on layers of giants. Like Unity have like, come, have, like provided you with this much um, like convenience that allows you to like easily like put things into um, display. But I know a lot of games are like completely built from scratch, you know, on the sea level where they build their whole game engine and then a game on top of that. And then those are like really, really incredible for me to like just just peek into. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not like nowhere close to being professional at it. But like I will like just like try to understand those concepts and how how the stuff that we know or are used daily are made. And then like it's just always been incredible and almost impossible to grasp as a whole. Yeah, those the softwares are so impressive. Kabuki, what what about you, my friend? What what do you need? What are the essential elements in your creator ecology? And then related to that, if you could design a residency for yourself from the ground up, what would it look like? I think if we're really going like very metaphysical, I would say there's very little I would need to be creative. Like if you have cranes and a piece of paper, you know, I gave this example when I talked about the origins of generative art. There's this lady who believed, she did a large part of her work kind of considering herself to be the computer and she wrote these instructions and then followed them to create her work. So I would really say like, Whatever is there, you could get inspired by, you know, if you have like a set of forks, I would maybe, you know, saw them off to get like a, a like a pentatonic scale and then make like a fork piano. I don't know. I would just try to entertain myself with, with whatever's there. And actually, I think that's a good, that's a good exercise, you know, to really go away, like really shift the paradigm. Like, for instance, one of my like big influences, Werner Herzog, the German director, he created this film school and uh, he basically, uh, you know, focused on what he considers essential for uh, an aspiring filmmaker, which is you need to be able to forge a document, you need to be able to pick a lock, you know, this was not about aperture and about, I don't know how to write a script, but it was like looking at things from a very different angle. And I think we as creators, we should always keep that, you know, open-mindedness and that that uh, kind of train that ability to think outside of the box and i think if i would have the kind of uh, or if i would be able to design a, a residency like this the thing that i would try to put into the mix is maybe have a, a budget re reserved for um for um creators who are not yet on a professional level and allow them to kind of um, take the time, you know, take a week off work or two weeks or whatever and have them give them the financial means to focus on, you know, really just being creative for a time and kind of coming along the journey and kind of creating this this gang together with a, with a professional. And uh, I think for me, just really the, the human, um, 
the the human aspect is the most important thing you know to to exchange ideas to get inspired by conversations and also what what nico said you know to you need to fill the well otherwise after a while there's no no it, it will run dry it's inevitable so you know to have like days where you say okay today you're not allowed to go into your workshop but you have to go to a museum or you have to go to a movie theater or you have to go to a new restaurant you haven't been to before you know like Uh, in in the artist's way, there's this um, this thing that uh, is called uh, I think date with yourself, where you basically block out time in the calendar and then you just do something that you normally wouldn't do. And I think if you don't consciously reserve time for this, you're never going to do it. And these moments are so important because they will kind of shape your view of the world, and they will also determine, you know, future uh, your future creativity. So that would be my idea. No, no, no. A long time ago, I would say maybe ten years ago or so, I did it once. I didn't really do it fully, but there's some aspects of it that I really enjoy, and I feel like it's uh, just some. I, I love to understand, you know, these principles that artists put behind their their craft, and just the whole idea, you know, that you sit down at first and you 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 sign a contract with yourself, you know, this kind of determination. I feel like to to be accountable for for your kind of for your f to nurture your creative your creativity or to have to, to kind of um um weaponize the the discipline you know that you really show up every day and and do the work i feel that's also like a big benefit of building in public this is an experience i i had when i was writing my my last album online where basically every day at five o'clock i had a standing kind of like open open studio and I knew it was not masses, but I knew there would be people who tune in every day. And if I'm not there, they're going to wander. And maybe after a while, if I do it two, three times, they won't tune in. So, of course, it's a sort of pressure, but, you know, you learn, you grow under pressure and you kind of expand your comfort zone only through getting yourself into situations that feel uncomfortable at first. And I feel like these are the things that are really valuable, kind of to bake them, in, bake them into this kind of residency program. I was watching a podcast recently where um, the the host was having a really amazing jam session. They had traveled somewhere to to a conference and were having like a jam session outside of the conference hall, and it, it just led to so many delightful sort of revelations that they said, "This is why I can I always need to be out in the real world." I, I was like, "I yes, the place for zooms clearly are valuable, and that will always have a place in my life." But this person said, "These these sort of conversations only happen when I can get out, travel." meet people. Uh, Nico mentioned the importance of traveling, the importance of experiences in other cultures. Kabuki, do you feel the same way? Do you feel like there is an element of in real life interaction that you just cannot match for Zoom and video conferencing? 100%, especially when it comes to the whole communal aspect, you know, like the places that I, vis that I visited and where I was invited by communities. You know, I really, I, I can only understand by immersing myself into this kind of uh, world that they live in to really understand you know what's so what makes this so special and then take that home with with me and to kind of also maybe yearn a little bit for that feeling you know where you kind of really make make the effort you get on, a, on an airplane you sit in there for 12 hours you go somewhere and then you sit in a room with other people that kind of creates a uh, 
kind of uh, um, that shows your dedication, you know, and that also gives the moment a kind of a, a different quality. Where if you just show up in your pajamas and just make sure everything above the neck is is presentable, you know, it's it's just a different thing. And I, it was also very apparent during the pandemic, I think, where people actually understood you have to dress up, even if nobody's able to see you. You know, I feel like it's the if if it's your craft, it it deserves that kind of that level of respect. You know, like also what I said in my in my first um, session about the rules and rituals like the workplace is sacred you know this, this is where you are able to manifest things you know create something out of thin air so this should be like a, a special surface for you you know and I feel like there's our modern life is just so you know so poor in in, in regards to this kind of um, like let's maybe call it magical thinking or whatever where you consciously say like okay i believe enough in this to give it a special kind of place in my in my daily life or in my heart and then through this it's kind of it creates this 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 feedback loop where constantly you know the outcome will represent the dedication that you put in or the the care or the respect you know it will be reflected in what you create and that's, I think, the art that is timeless. And that's the art that speaks to me. So I just want to see myself, you know, to be part of that lineage somehow. So at least I, I put in the same amount of effort. If it's if something worthwhile comes out, I can't control, but I can only control like, all right, I'm really putting all my you know life force into this thing. And that's the best I can do. I love your point too, Kabuki, about the, the difference where you have, have to get on a plane, you have to travel, there's inconvenience. And then I imagine Nico behind the wheel of a car driving hundreds and hundreds of miles uh, across the country. That just gives the feeling of actually having landed and being in a community of people completely different resonance. Um, so I thank you for bringing that up. Demo, last but not least, my friend, I want, we would love to hear from you on this sort of two-headed question of what, what are the essential elements in your creator ecology? I'm hearing parallel things from Kabuki and Nico, of course, in their unique language. And then also, if you could design a residency for yourself from the ground up with no constraints, what, what would that look like? No, definitely something similar to what Kabuki was saying about what I need to work with. Uh, maybe in my ideal conditions, I might like choose or mainly use my computer. Uh, but I usually like adapt to the conditions that are presented to me and that's how I work and with what, what I work. Like for instance, if I, if I go like camping and I am in the nature and I'm like a month or two there, I would, uh, draw or like maybe take pictures and it, and I did them in with my phone. Like, uh, I don't work like after a necessity is more after the conditions that are presented to me. And I just lo love to create um we with any tool that i can and i love to learn new tools so so yeah that that that's mainly what i would say like uh it's not about necessity i do choose my computer because i feel like it broadens my possibility of what i can create with the tools that i use um but it, it's all about just creating like it's actually like a similar experience to me, at least in terms of creativity, to, to draw with a pencil and a sheet of paper, or like to start a 3D environment in Blender, like the, the same energy, uh, it's coming out of me. 
uh, and that's what I'm looking for when I'm creating. Um, and about my ideal residency, I would say that it might be definitely physical. Like I, I always imagined like a, a place where there's uh, like a bunch of uh, artists that have kind of a similar vision or at least uh, a similar goal with what they're going to and maybe like uh, join all those powers and possibly like create on the same thing. Like uh, everyone developing on the same project uh, might have like a really, really powerful uh, outcome. And that's something that I've been like failing to concrete because uh, for many time now, like I know a lot of friends that create and I love what they do and we share vision, but it's really hard to like connect uh, time and events in your life to create together in the same project, like I don't know, 10 people working on the same thing. And I would feel like that would be a really ideal uh, kind of residency for me to uh, to develop, yeah. Um, so you, you mentioned that you do have a lot of friends uh, in your, it sounds like in your local community um, that you would love to create with. What do you think is preventing that? It's just the lack of time. Everyone is focused on their own projects to make their own living. Do you think that that's the major obstacle? Yeah, I think it's that. Like everyone is like focused on their main thing. And yeah, there's not like uh, too much uh, like there's differences with, with times and with uh, many things that don't let uh, th all these um, events happen in the same place at the same time. Also, maybe that, like uh, not having a space. I imagine like a space where or all these people can get together and, and like create together. Uh, and that doesn't exist, at least for me. And yet yeah, would be like really, really ideal. That is a really, really good point, Demo. Um, yeah, and, and then then I'm wondering, just kind of a question off the top of my head is, you it helps to have some sort of structure to step into. When you have a group of people that are working together, you, you really do need some kind of structure. And here I'm hearing Kabuki's voice in my head, because usually when we've asked Kabuki, what do you need in your creator ecology? Structure, traditions, limitations. But the polarity of this, the, the paradox is that th these actually increase and facilitate creativity. So whereas Kabuki would say the emphasis he's perhaps emphasizing in the first initiative, the restrictions and, and Nico is emphasizing the freedom together, they, they breathe and, and exhale and inhale together and we need both. Um, but off the top of my mind, I'm thinking, why should it be so difficult for a group of artists to get together and create? Number one, no time and no no income, right? Because if you think about a film can only be made by a group of human beings coming together and creating, otherwise it just doesn't work. Although you do know of these independent filmmakers with nothing but like a camera and iPhone. Uh, but, but really you do need an entire community of people to come together. But again, they're being paid for that ideally. Uh, and they each have a very clear role. There's a cinematographer, there's the editor, there's the script, there's the, there's the script writer, there's the producer. So everyone has a very clear lane that synergizes together, whereas it might be more difficult if it was just demos, circle of friends, all of whom are 3D artists or musicians. There's not so much of the clear, the restrictions, the limitations, in, 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 in Kabuki's words, just the structure of like, clear lanes for people to contribute to. That's just kind of a, a question that I have in my mind. Why is it so difficult for people to get together? And I realize the structure is very, very important. 
yeah definitely like most of my friends that don't have that kind of structure <laughs> and they work kind of like like me like really disorganized and in a way that things happen also like uh money it's also of course a concern to get together and work for a whole month on something but definitely structure is what lack what's lacking for like uh, 10 people to get together and work on the same thing uh, and discipline also and that's why I usually like end up working on myself and in my work because I can uh, make discipline for myself but it's actually hard when there's a, a whole bunch of people like included but as you were asking like a residency maybe a residency that has itself a structure um, and and people who are participating has to follow have to follow that structure that might work if if there's like a, a structure behind for the artist to follow yes yes i think that's an excellent idea uh, nico i'm thinking of you my friend because i'm thinking that what demo just said his friends they're there they have the desire but the structure isn't there the discipline isn't there so it's just easier he says for me to focus on my own work nico you've really put yourself in a position where your residency project yes it may begin with you but eventually like you said it's not going to work until you decentralize outward to a community that at this point doesn't really doesn't exist yet yes there are there are a number of people in your discord already but you need to gather much more people into the space uh, number one i wanted to ask you uh, how do you think about this problem of decentralized contribution a whole bunch of people coming together who don't know one another um, you don't know who's good at what but you've actually been on the ground whereas you've had groups of people come together and begin to build an entire makeshift city or or, or eco village uh, how did you see this structure how, how was this problem of structure tackled was there actually someone coordinating? Nico, come to me. What, what, what's, what's your gifts? What's your talent? What can you contribute to the village? Kabuki, what can you do? Caroline, what can you do? Okay, I'm gonna, there's going to be a person, a contractor of this village, so to speak, that says, Kabuki, you go do this with your talent. Nico, you team up with Caroline to do this. How did you see this problem of structure being, being tackled and engaged with in decentralized communal work? Um, I feel like this is something the entire DAO space is trying to solve, <laughs> and it's all about coordination, right? So I think I think the emergent DAO space is trying to tackle the problem of, of coordination with blockchain technology and all other like emerging technologies. So um, this is uh, also like a what what I spend like a whole chunk of my time in is just like learning how these DAOs work, learning how people coordinate, and how do you get people together to work on a shared vision. And um, I don't have like the perfect, I think every task is different in nature. I think there are some DAOs that are doing a really good job. You know, City DAO I think does a really good job, but City DAO has a very, very ambitious goal that makes the nature of its, like the, the task very hard. I know there's like, there's um, a few DAOs, there's like Crosshouse, there's Juicebox, there's um, a few one that I can't come on. There's like a few DAOs that uh, Forefront also does a really good job organizing people as what I've seen from the outside. There's um, the ReFi DAO. There's like a bunch of DAOs and every DAO I've seen, they have like different um, kind of different ways of organizing people. Some of them will give tokens to early to people that they think are interesting contributors to attract them, be like, hey, 
these are tokens and uh, they are not worth anything right now. But if you if we all work together on this really awesome project, they might be worth a lot. So it's basically like dumping you some free money. But like unless you work together on this, the money's not not going to be worth anything, which I think is like a quite clever um, like mechanism. And among that, there's like so many other ways. And um, I think I think I think um, uh, the the problem for for artists to come together and do like a share like work on a shared vision can it, it's definitely solvable with like this emerging technologies provided by the DAO space. Where I think all we need is just to really be clear about what we want to create. Like if I if I go stand on Times Square and be like, hey guys, let's create everything, and then people are gonna be like, what? But if you have a very specific project, like oh, this is this virtual world, and this virtual world has all these elements, and we want artists to create aliens, we want artists to create sound, we want artists to create this, and then you make sure that that vision is very clear, and like launch it as a DAO or artist DAO, or you don't even have to call it out, but like use this vision as a shelling point, and get people together and like figure some sort of like very um, lightweight, like, clever token mechanism to leverage yourself. So that as you're creating value, you're also like, as you're creating artistic value, you're also creating real world value, and then that like motivates p people in all sorts of different ways. So, um, short answer is that um, I, I think the problem hasn't been completely solved yet. It's not like something you can Google right away, but people are working on it, <laughs> and I think it will be fun for us to also try it in our own ways and see if it works out. I love that. I, I what Nico is saying, I think, is that if you in the middle of Times Square, hey, let's create something. No one's going to take you up on that, but there there has to be enough. In a, there has to be enough of a vision, a framework, and a structure so that then people can come in and run with it. Otherwise, it's too open. It's too amorphous. It's it's too indeterminate, and uh, people can't really take that and have accountability and and run with that. Um, so to me, again, it sounds intuitive, but it sounds like there has to be this polarity, there has to be this balance of uh, either one person or a team of people coming up with the foundation of the vision. And then it's like those guardrails. And again, Kabuki has said this, it's the guardrails that actually allow you to exhale and to feel like, oh, I, I, I can feel, I feel comfortable. I can take this on. I can feel competent. I can feel confident in joining this community and investing my time because of those guardrails. It, it actually enables creativity and collaboration. Um, so I think, Kabuki, I don't want to keep speaking for you, my friend. Do you have any thoughts to add to this? But I'm, I'm just so grateful for all that you've added to this conversation during your residency. Sure. I mean, I think the, the, the biggest challenge or kind of like the foundation that has to be laid is to share a common language, you know, that I feel there's always so much lost in translation, even if you speak the same language, but just, you know, words can have different implications. And for me, the best experience is always if you sit down with musicians and you have this ability to communicate through sound, you know, there are rules and there are certain kind of aspects everybody can agree on, you know, there are so many beats in a bar and if there's these kind of notes you play in that scale if if that would not be the case then there would be no communication it would just be chaos so in my experience the biggest challenge putting people together in the room is making sure that everybody understands the same thing when something is being said right because otherwise everybody's running off into their own corner and doing something but it's not going to fit you know the pieces of the puzzle are not going to match so the more time you invest in that initial phase to really get everybody on board with the 
with the concept and with the idea and have them repeat it in their own words and make sure that the visions align. This is the foundational work that needs to be put into any kind of uh, kind of communal building. And um, this is also, I think, the, the skill that everybody needs to bring. Even, maybe even more important than their actual kind of skills as an artisan, the skill to understand, you know, what is what is needed and what is required and what is being asked from them, right? And I, I think that's where 99% of all collaborations fail. It's just that people don't really think of the same thing. You know, they don't understand. They hear the same words, but they don't understand them in the same way. And as a result, you know, uh, yeah, nothing worthwhile is going to come out of this. So I think the synchronization phase where you really kind of tell somebody, okay, this is my idea. Now, can you explain to me can you can you explain it to me in your own words? And then you realize, no, this is actually not what I meant. This is what I meant. Can you try again? You know, and then you have this kind of process where kind of you're polishing the whole thing until, you know, you really have this smooth surface and then you can work off that. I feel like that is totally under appreciated, you know, how much is lost in, in language and especially when you talk about things that are so immat immaterial like art, you know, like so much of that is so conceptual and everybody might um, feel it differently. So that's why, in, in my opinion, you know, that's what makes a great team of artists. That's what makes a great band when they are able to have that common language without words where they instinctively know. Somebody just needs to say like, yeah, it's this kind of he red hexagon and everybody knows what, the, what, what is being meant by that and what that requires from them. So... Um, yeah, that's. I think looking at bands is a great analogy, and really, really good musicians that are just able to fit into a context. You know, obviously with within a set of rules. But if you put somebody in a in a bebop band and they play a, a heavy metal style solo, obviously they're not listening to what is going on around them. So that is what I experience quite often, actually, when I collaborate with people it's like no you're not listening you know this is not what we're doing you know you're playing chess and i'm playing checkers or vice versa right this is this is why i always feel like you know i think nico and i we often talk about like opposite things but we mean the same thing you need to have some kind of um you need to have something that connects you from artist to artist or from human to human and it doesn't matter how you define that but without that kind of thread that connects you you can't move together in the same direction you know people will move all in all kinds of directions and as a result you know at some point that thread will snap and then the, the connection is gone so that's why i feel you need to have that immaterial kind of um bond you know that that really kind of provides the the foundation for you as a team of artists to build something that is in the end going to be a coherent structure and not some amorphous mess that we might take. I think I'm loving this conversation and Kabuki, I think you, <laughs> I think you hit the nail on the head, my friend, because um, it, for non-musicians, for, for taking us out of that context, what you just said about being able to convey a vision and then asking each other, what did you understand? What did you hear? hearing that reflected back and just honing that and refining that, that is actually funnily enough a process that our community circle team went through at Forefront at the very beginning when we first brought everyone on. 
Uh, we did exactly that process, uh, which I've also studied some folks in the business world. They call it uh, strategy briefing. That's that's the business world's term for what you just described. Is like the um, the initiator, the instigator, the entrepreneur has a vision that they then communicate, then the, the team communicates it back, that's refined, then it flows down the quote-unquote organizational chart, and it's just commun communicated, reflected back up, communicated, reflected back up. Because even the speaker, the fascinating thing is that even the speaker, the instigator, the person that has the vision, doesn't fully understand their vision, doesn't fully understand the consequences of what they're saying until that is metabolized by a separate human being, by a separate consciousness, and reflected back to them. Then they have an opportunity to go, oh, that's not what I meant at all. I have to change that. And this is, this is the difficulty and also the profound power of communal collective creation. But we never, we don't have time for it. It's just like Demo said, the crisis is that no one has time for it, but it's only when we find the time that we'll finally be able to get out of the mess that we're in. So this is why big hats off to, um, to all of you, but big hats off to Nico for taking on this, this prototype village, which literally it takes, it takes a village to build a village. So you have, you have quite the task in front of you, my friend, and I can't wait to follow on with every single aspect of it. But we have been on a delightful digression, and it's now two minutes until the hour. I do want to take a little bit of time to give hand each of you the mic and just give a short little sneak peek of what is coming for the Forefront family this week and with your residency project. Are, are you close to wrapping it up? Kabuki, I know you said you are, you're, you're on time. Uh, you feel very confident that you'll be finished. Uh, Nico and Demo also want to hear from you as well. So Demo, how about you, my friend? Why don't you come off mute and uh, and hopefully we can hear you. Tell us a little bit about what we can expect this week. Uh, mainly this week I want to like uh, talk about and, and cover everything that I did in the three weeks. Like uh, first week, it was more like an introduction of the things that I've done until here and why I'm here. Uh, second one was more technical and showing my process, creating uh, 3D piece and creating music for it. And last one uh, was more personal. And I feel like uh, this week I want to wrap up uh, everything in like the, these two sessions. Uh, maybe the idea that I had, uh, which was like finishing this collection uh, for the end of the residency, I, I now realized that I was crazy even thinking about that. Also, it changed. Like my mind changed on the on the on my idea for the collection, which it, now it. Uh, made me realize that I wanted to be kind of endless. I don't wanna, uh, I don't wanna put an end to it. I want to keep con keep keep creating for it. Like maybe in the parallel, in the side of, of still creating other other things. I feel like this collection might be like a whole universe in constant creation, and I don't want at least now to put an end to it. Um, and this is something that I realized uh, during the residency because at first I thought that I was going to end it uh, by the time that I was going to end the residency. But as so many ideas come day by day and new ideas, I feel like I don't want to like uh, limit uh, this collection. I just wanted to let it be free and keep on, keep on being created day by day. And, and so, yeah, in this last sessions, that's... I, I, I want to see how it goes. I mainly want to wrap up everything that 
that it's been done until now and like show the show the process of creating some pieces i will finish a piece uh by the end of the residency and i, I am really proud of how it ended up being and so yeah i'm happy for that at least finishing a piece which is something that i never know when it comes so i'm glad that it did now in these days amazing i'm so happy about that cool thank you demo thank you nico how about you my friend where are you in the sprawling process Um, I'm in the crunch hour, so, so there's a lot of stuff I want to finish. Um, but I think I have um, enough finished. Um, I've been working over the weekend um, for, uh, I guess, like, what I've been showing a lot is the Agartha game. But um, in, the, in today's session and tomorrow's session, I really want to talk about, like, the Agartha DAO, which is how we are going to use this DAO to, like, kind of, like, gather enough creators together to work on games and things beyond this game. So today's session, I think I will still do like a little bit of technical, um, just just to finish up what I have, and 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 then after that, we're just gonna be talking about kind of like the the the, the pitch of Agartha, like what really is it, and like what kind of projects do we really wanna support, and how is the DAO structured? How are people gonna be involved? What are some of the things that we have set up uh, existing? That's our. What are some of the progress that we've made so far? And yeah, just like a summary and a reflex for tomorrow's session and today's session, it was just like the final part of the technical, technical demonstration. So cool. And Nico, you're going to be, I think you, you mentioned you're going to be doing your juice box launch, right? Not this week, but you're going to be talking about it. I think, uh, so I'm having a I'm having like a meeting with someone from Juicebox very soon, so I don't really know if I can put that on Juicebox by tomorrow's session. If not, like the project should be on Juicebox within a week because I do want to put it up there as soon as I can. Last but not least, our friend Kabuki. So yeah, I believe when we talked, I said uh, I'm not the only way I wasn't gonna finish was over my dead body. So this is kind of the the energy I'm bringing into this week. And I have two sessions. I have uh, one on Wednesday called Cause and Effect, where I'm basically so this week is all about calibration. I kind of decided on the parameters last week, and this was the the the, the point of no return, so to speak. And now I just have to understand, okay, what kind of parameter ranges am I allowing? for the mint because this is kind of the last point of contact that I have as an artist with a with a with the outcome so this is going to be quite interesting I think to really uh, yeah agree on a range that s still somehow has the vision of the piece and for this also this will be the first uh, time to uh, integrate the the, um, the sonic aspect you know I'm still trying to figure out how to how to provide the musical side to the to the that will be visualized to these uh, these interference patterns that I've kind of created over the past weeks, and then on Friday it's uh, the session is called through the portal, which is essentially the point where we will put everything, um, kind of or integrate the code with a with a boilerplate from from FX hash so that we can actually upload the. The, the project to the sandbox and we can play around and we can do testaments and see how they are coming out if if the screen is just black obviously that would be a very bad thing and then I would need to kind of debug and see what's going on so this is really the the point where um, yeah the, the kind of last um, 
the 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 rubber hits the road so to speak you know where i'm everything that i've built so far needs to be encapsulated into the smart contract that will then be uploaded to the blockchain and that is then possible for collectors to interact with that contract so that they can then mint their variants and i don't know maybe i'm even uh, i'm being very ambitious maybe i'm even uh, able to upload it during the session you know so that we can then do like a live mint with the community so fingers crossed that that we get it to that point very excited to see this final week and uh, what y'all are able to come up with. Um, I think I just want to do a quick reminder that we are uh, planning to have the first Web3 Creator Residency exhibition. Uh, it's either going to happen at the end of August or perhaps sometime in the first part of September. And uh, the beautiful work that you're seeing, Demo and, and even Nico and, and Kabuki, even though Nico's project doesn't seem like it easily lends itself, she does have something really, really sweet for us to mint and to exhibit in the gallery. Um, so Forefront Fam, if you're listening, uh, you will have your chance to look at these creations and to collect if you wish uh, during the W3CR exhibition. So stay tuned for more information about that. And with that, I will bid you all farewell. See you very soon. And again, it's been an amazing journey that I am so grateful for. Thank you. Thank you so much. And we'll see you in the Forefront community. Bye-bye, fam. <laughs>